I'm Dracula's librarian, Taylor. And I believe in ivy-covered graveyard supremacy, Jemmy. And this is The Final Girl Files. This week we are talking about 1958's Horror of Dracula, directed by Terrence Fisher and starring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. And, like, if you were questioning if this movie is good or not, there's your answer. The answer is it has Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee in an adaptation of Dracula. That's really all you have to say. Also, I doubt it needs saying, but very loosely based on the book Dracula by Bram Stoker. Very, very loosely based. <laughs> Extremely loosely based. <laughs> um, this was my first time watching it. Taylor, what are your, your memories with this movie? This was not the first movie in this Hammer Dracula series that I saw. I actually watched the second movie first. Uh, the second movie does not have Christopher Lee in it. <laughs> So it's an inferior film. It's, it you know, it's actually one of the better ones in terms of, like, it being well-written. A lack of Christopher Lee makes any film inferior, though. But, yeah, but it, it does suffer from not having Christopher Lee. So I watched that one, and that's what got me into, like, Hammer Horror. And that was when I was a senior in high school, and I was first... These were, like, the first horror movies that I ever was really into were the Hammer movies. So they hold a very special place in my heart. <laughs> And I had never seen a Hammer movie before, actually. Or technically, I have seen a Hammer movie multiple times. I've seen The Woman in Black, but that's, like, modern Hammer. I was going to say, one of your favorite movies is a Hammer movie. Exactly. We love a movie that does not even clock in at 90 minutes. Oh, my God. Literally, my first note is just 82 minutes greater than three-hour movie. Like, any movie that does not clock, that clocks in under 90 minutes is automatically a win in my book. It's very, it's very, very good. Like, oh my god. I pulled it up on the TV and it said an hour and 21 minutes and I was like, yes! God, yes! Last, night, last night I watched a movie that was under an hour and it was just like the <gasps> sickest experience. That sounds amazing. It was wonderful. It was called The Blackwell Ghost. It's actually very good. So, If your movie is short, it's good. If your movie is short, you're a sexy director. It's true. I think that's part of why I like old movies so much is that they just like they get to the point unless it's like gone with the wind or something but those are rare yeah that's kind of why I've been watching like older movies more lately because it's just like okay I can watch this in like less than an hour and a half and it's good so one thing that I completely forgot about this movie was that the um Christopher Lee is not (laughs) top billed in this movie Peter Cushing is huh because wait was this yeah, this this was after the Frankenstein movies. Oh, I was going to say, was this like before Peter, uh, not Peter Cushing, before Christopher Lee really like got popular yes. in, in the horror scene? So what had happened was um, the first Hammer movie, like the first like Hammer movie that was like a remake of a Universal movie was their adaptation of Frankenstein, which had come out in 1957. And it, like, launched Peter Cushing to stardom. And guess who mm-hmm. played the monster in that movie? Christopher Lee. <laughs> Six foot four king Christopher Lee. We love that for him. So basically they were like, well, we need a tall, intimidating, scary man to play Dracula. <laughs> who can we get? Who's in our repertoire? Hmm. But yeah, Peter Cushing is top billed because Frankenstein had come out the previous year. And then the sequel to Frankenstein came out later in 1958. I'm so glad you're here to provide us with the history because I did not know that. This movie has a lot of actually a lot of interesting parallels with the version of Frankenstein that came out the previous year, including um, and it shares a, a couple of actors, not just, of course, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, but 
the vampire bride that Jonathan meets in um, Dracula's castle is also in the Frankenstein movies. She is a maid, uh, one of Frankenstein's maids, who is having an affair with him. Huh. And she's like a kind of, and I, I was writing down that I think that it's funny because in the Frankenstein movies, she is sort of a damsel in distress type character. She's sleeping with um, Dr. Frankenstein and he's, by the way, a huge bastard in the Hammer movies. <laughs> he's just the worst. And so basically they're they're sleeping together. He's cheating on his wife with her. And then she basically is like, I'm pregnant. And then he goes, okay, and locks her in the room with the monster. Oh, thanks, bud. And then she, the monster kills her. Um Again, huge bastard. But she's just like a total damsel in that movie. So I think that it's interesting that she plays a character in this movie who pretends to be a damsel and then um, goes feral. She has the range, darling. So I thought it was interesting because the audiences would have been like, oh, that's that lady from Frankenstein. She's nice. Nothing fishy could be going on here. Actually, that leads into one of the things I wanted to say right off the bat is that I really enjoyed the way that this movie sort of played with expectations, especially as someone who is familiar with the book. Uh, I have not finished the book. I'm reading. I'm listening to the audiobook as we speak. Um, right now. No, yes, right now, Taylor. <laughs> right the fuck now. Right, right now. I'm actually not paying attention. I'm actually just listening to everybody love Mina Harker for like three hours. As well they should. As well they should. No, but I really enjoyed, like, as someone who's familiar with the book, like, the whole opening of this movie is very familiar because it's like, oh, yeah, John- like, Jonathan arrives at Dracula's castle and gets welcomed in and meets Dracula and all of that. And then he sits down and pulls out his journal, which, like, again, also very familiar because if you don't know, Dracula as a book is told largely through, like, journals and newspaper articles and diaries and that kind of thing. It's kind of like the first found footage sort of or one of the first, like, found footage, quote-unquote, sort of uh, deals. Slight sidebar, but I'm shocked that nobody has tried to adapt Dracula as a found footage movie yet. Oh my god, that'd be so good. Like, it would be so... Like, during that, like, found footage movie in the 2010s, like, how did nobody do that? Because they were cowards. It's true. But yeah, he pulls out his journal, starts writing in it, and then you get sort of that reveal that, like, oh, he knows Dracula's a vampire, and he's here to fucking kill him. It's, it's great. such it's such a good reveal. It's so good, and you get that dramatic music stri- uh, sting afterwards. Even I was like, "Oh shit!" All right. I love Jonathan in this movie, and I'm very sad that he dies fairly early on. Can I say I um? So for those speak, who don't speak your truth, speak your truth. For those who don't know me, I am a deeply, deeply face blind person. <laughs> like anecdote. Please tell me you didn't think he was Peter Cushing. No, I didn't. I oh didn't. my god. I did, not, I did not think he was Peter Cushing. However, um, okay, just sidebar, this is how fa- face blind I am. I watched Saw 3 for the first time I, after Saw watching Saw 2, and I did not recognize Amanda, my favorite character with long hair for like a good two set for like a good two minutes. Good. Anyway, not two minutes, probably like 30 seconds, but like it was it was it was a, a process. It was too long. It was a process to recognize my literal favorite character in the entire franchise. Anyway. Um, that shot of vampire Jonathan dead in the coffin, or, like, sleeping in the coffin, I- I did think he was Christopher Lee. Oh my god. <laughs> For, like, I was like, wait He's a minute, why blonde. is this- I couldn't, like, He's look, just- <laughs> Taylor, I'm dumb. You're not dumb. That's funny, though. <laughs> 
for like a second, I was like, oh, wait a minute, why is this such a dramatic reveal? Oh, oh, that's Jonathan. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck, he's dead. Or a vampire. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be a vampire, which I right. think is very funny. I, I, th- I literally wrote down, I was like, all vampire movies are just about guys who want polycules every time. Truly. Truly. Like, we were, <laughs> when Jemmy came to visit me, we were watching The Lost Boys, and we were, like, laughing about how that movie is just about a guy who wants to be in a polycule really bad. And this movie like is also bad. about Dracula just wants, he just wants, like, he just wants to be in a polycule. And he's valid for that. And I think we should we should let him. I simply think we should let him. Honestly, like, considering how beautiful all the women in this movie are. Who could blame him, really? I just, yeah, the that reveal of Jonathan having to die is, again, such, like, a way that this movie fucks with your expectations if you know the book. Mm-hmm. I think it's also funny that, like, book Jonathan, who is, like, a normie, makes it out whereas like vampire hunter badass movie jonathan is like turned and staked (laughs) he does not make it out of this movie no he's actually is he the first death of this movie no he no no, he he kills the the vampire bride bride. right and then he dies Mm -hmm. and then van helsing has to come and kill him right another thing that i find very charming about this movie is the fact that like yeah, like, as we're going to get into in a minute, like, all the relationships of the characters are kind of switched around and fucked with. But also, they still have their same names, but they aren't British anymore? <laughs> yeah, they're just American all of a sudden. No, they're, like, Eastern oh, no, European. Not... Oh, huh. They're, like, I, I at first I thought, the first time that I ever watched this movie, I thought that, much like the book, that this movie goes back and forth between, like, Eastern Europe and England. Mm-hmm. because the characters' last names, I mean, Harker, Holmwood, like... Right, they're all very British. They're British names. But, I, I, like, I was reading the Wikipedia article. Well, I was reading the Wikipedia article because of something that I'm going to talk about in a second. But, mm-hmm. to clarify another confusing thing about this movie. But, I, um... And I realized that these characters are supposed to live in, like, the next town over from Dracula. <laughs> they're neighbors! Oh my god, you're right, because they, like... Just they just go to the the castle at the end. Yeah, when they when they go to try to find his coffin. God, I didn't. They even just realize. they did they, they, they just go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize. I'm like, damn, they got to Transylvania real fast from England. Huh. And then I realized it's because they're in Eastern Europe already. Huh? Like they're supposed to be from that area, which is just very funny because they're all very British. Their names. Who fucking knows? Tamara certainly doesn't know or care. God the other them. thing that I thought was very funny, and this is getting into, like, one of the things that I find incredibly weird about this movie is just, like, fuck it. Everyone is, their relationships to each other are very different. Yeah, it's, it, they, again, I cannot stress this enough. This movie is loosely based on Dracula. It It is based on Dracula in as much as it is about characters with the same names as the book characters fighting a vampire named Dracula. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And that's I mean, where the similarities end. I mean, in fairness, Lucy's whole arc is kind of, is like pretty similar to the what happens to her in the book. But yeah, also, but for some reason she's <laughs> Arthur Holmwood's sister. Yeah, we don't know what's going on there. And Mina is Holmwood's wife. 
it took me forever to figure out like all the relationships between the characters because I was just so familiar with what was going on in the book. I know, especially if you are familiar with the book, this movie is just like, wait, what? Huh? Mina Holmwood? What? Also, they just throw in like a little girl. I I still can't figure out. She's supposed to be no, she's supposed to be Mina and Arthur's daughter, right? Tanya? No. No? No. Why does she call Lucy her aunt then? Okay, so I had to, this is the thing that I went to Wikipedia to figure out because I, my entire life, since I was 17 and I saw this movie, I thought that the little girl, Tanya, who is not a book character at all, I thought that she was, like you said, I thought that she was Mina and Arthur's daughter. And I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, why the fuck are people talking to her and saying like, like, they'll be talking to this little girl and they'll be like, don't upset Mr. Homewood. Or oh, they'll be like, like tell a- Mrs. Homewood what happened. Is it like a ward situation? And I'm like, why are they calling her parents Mr. and Mrs. Homewood? And the T is, she oh, is God. supposed to be the maid's daughter. Your silence she's- speaks volumes. She's Gerda's daughter? Yeah, this is not very well established at all. But she calls Lucy her aunt. Is I know. It just like, it's so Is confusing. it just like when you have like one of those weird family friends who like you call your aunt or your uncle? Yes. I think <laughs> that that's what it is. They aren't actually. Yeah. They're huh. not blood related. She, this little girl is not related to anybody in this family. Genuinely how like it would how easy would it have been to make her the daughter? And yeah. <laughs> so in the graveyard when Lucy right. lures Tanya out and is going to feet on her right um van helsing like says to arthur he's like i don't know but they but i don't know the the exact line but he does say like something about like oh gerda's daughter or like that maid's little girl or something like that like he does say it but it is like one line i did fucking miss that (laughs) completely so i can't imagine that like other audiences also did not personally (sighs) i think it's kind of weird (laughs) It is weird. She should have just been Mina and Arthur's daughter. Yeah, like what? Like why did the maid? Like the maid is like barely a character anyway. Like yeah, very weird, very strange, very bizarre. While we're on the graveyard, though, can I just say that moment between Van Helsing and the little girl, where he's like giving her his coat and like giving her the crucifix, is so sweet. Like so adorable. I know. I wrote that down. I was like, oh, he's so sweet with her. I had like extremely similar note i was just like oh my heart peter cushing is very good he's he's like the perfect van helsing which i think is also again very funny because he's such a bastard in the frankenstein movies he has the range darling he's just such an unrepentant piece of shit and van helsing is just like the kindest sweetest like most wholesome character the range we love him, and as a society, we're all very sad that he never got to play the Phantom of the Opera. God, that's such a fucking tragedy. I, I want to live it. in the alternate universe where <laughs> Peter Cushing got to play the Phantom of the Opera for Hammer. That's the good timeline. That's the timeline that <laughs> that's the timeline where Beastly Kingdom got built. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. That's always my standard for the good timeline. No, it it that that is definitely the good timeline. One thing that I love about this movie is. The way that it establishes the differences between it and the Universal Studios version. Not just through the plot, but through... We're allowed to do more. 
the opening shot where it zooms in on Dracula's tomb mm. and then just like scare cord blood splatter. <laughs> yes. It's like, look, we have color and we do, blood. We should do blood in the vampire movie. <laughs> and also you get to see vampire bites. Yes. Oh my god, I was laughing at those because like they they do look literally like the same vampire bites I would get put on my neck when I used to work at a haunt. Yeah, they're very like they're very good. They're they're very good. I think this is the first English language film to show vampire bites on screen. Huh. Cause I know they showed them in the Spanish language version of the nineteen thirty one Dracula. Mm-hmm. But not in the English version, because the Spanish version was allowed to do more. Um, not in the English version, cause Hayes Code. Well, the Hayes Code wouldn't even Wait, come no, till later. Hayes Code? No, yeah, sorry, I'm thinking. Yeah, that was wrong. 31. Hayes Code was later, but it was the beginnings of the Hayes Code, though. It's been a while since I've been in a film class. <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie is um not only bloody but also horny as fuck. Oh, extremely horny, extremely horny. I love how horny this movie is. <laughs> My but it's favorite- like 50s horny. It's 50s British horny. So it's a little weird. My favorite scene in the whole movie is like <laughs> when Lucy is like under Dracula's influence and like throwing open her window and taking off the crucifix necklace and like waiting for him in the bed. I'm like, yeah, that's how I want to go to bed every night. It's throwing so open- funny when she like leans over and just smashes that vase of garlic flowers. Leaning out my window. Oh no, I hope there aren't any hot vampire milfs around here. My <laughs> neck is so exposed. Oh no, I put my hair up. I sure, Ooh. lots of blood in here. Come get y'all's juice. <laughs> Slaps my own neck. Come get y'all's juice. That's what Lucy was doing in that scene. And she was correct to. She, yeah, she was correct to do that. Um, One thing that I want to mention that I thought was extremely funny was I was reading some behind the scenes trivia about this movie and... So the scene where Mina has been sort of lured away from her house mm-hmm. and Dracula pretends to be her husband and it sends her a letter that's like, come see me in this tomb in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you know, as you tell your wife. And she goes. suspicious there. Yeah. And <laughs> so she goes and then she comes back the next day and she has clearly been bitten by Dracula. Like, Oh my God. I had a note about this. <laughs> just like, let me just unsuspiciously hold this coat to my neck so you can't see it. Yeah, it's, it's very good. She's like holding the coat up to her neck like you said and she's and she's just grinning and <laughs> <laughs> I was reading an interview with the director and he said that he told the actress who plays Mina, she said to him like how am I supposed to be playing this scene? Oh and God. he said to her I need you to act like you just had the best sex of your life. <laughs> I mean, she sold it. <laughs> that was the, that was the direction that this director gave her. He was like, "I need you to look like you just had the greatest night of your life." Like she Dracula fucking just it. fucking took you to Pound Town. <laughs> and you know what? That's that's exactly how that's she looks. That's the vibe. That's the vibe. I do think it's very funny that she's like clearly like trying to do like the elegant coat holding thing but it's like very obvious like if you're if you're in a vampire movie if you're in an adaptation of fucking dracula and you're holding something to your throat with that much insistence like you've gotten you're bitten like you're a vampire now you done got bit another thing about this movie being horny is that the censors had a real problem 
with the scene where Dracula comes to visit Mina for the second time in her bedroom. The BBFC had big issues with this scene. Yeah, I can see why. (laughs) And they cut a shot. So basically, Dracula comes into Mina's room and, like, (laughs) backs her up against the bed. And she, like, falls back against her bed. And then he picks her face up in his hands and he like kisses her face before he bites her and there was a a shot that was cut because you see the kiss from it's shot from behind mina so you see the back of her head Mm -hmm. um and he kisses her face and but there was a uh a shot that was cut uh, where it cuts to the front of her face and you see Dracula. It's shot from behind Dracula and you see her facial expression and she is turned on. <laughs> she is capital A aroused. And the BBFC was like, no, <laughs> you need to cut it. We can't show a woman's pleasure on screen. We cannot God show a woman being horny on screen. Think of the children. Think of the children. Yeah, I I, I wrote in my notes... Um, that Mina and Lucy are both doing very like scare-oused. Oh yeah. They Whenever are Dracula comes to bite them, they're they're very much serving scare-oused. As as they should in any adaptation, quite frankly. It's true. And I just think it's very funny that like the the censors had such big issues with women being horny because as we saw in later Dracula adaptations. Oh. There's just so much horny that it can't be contained. Oh, good old Bram Stoker's Dracula. We love we love you 90s Dracula with Lucy fucking writhing around on her bed <laughs> moaning when she's supposed to be in pain. God. This movie had a little of that. I mean, let's In the, let's... in this in the scene where Lucy like when I said the scene where she bats the garlic the, the vase of garlic flowers off her bed, mm-hmm. she was <laughs> moaning in a kind of way where I was like, mm. <laughs> I mean, let's be real with ourselves. Is it really a Dracula adaptation if that's not happening? That's true. While we're on the subject of the garlic flowers, though, I did appreciate that they were garlic flowers instead of garlic cloves, because that's not a distinction that gets made often enough in vampire uh, literature these days, I feel like. Yeah, I think more vampire movies should do garlic flowers instead. Like, every vampire movie ever just has them, like, with, like, cloves of garlic. Which, I mean, I guess would be just as effective, but, like... The aesthetics, everyone. The yeah, aesthetics. why just have flowers? Flowers are pretty. Wear a little garlic flower crown, and the vampires can't bother you anymore. Oh, I want to wear. Oh, I want to wear a garlic flower crown. Do you though? Because it would exponentially lower your chance of getting railed by a vampire. <sighs> That's true. Mm. <laughs> it's a conundrum. Oh, listen, every single scene where the woman in the movie is like waiting for Dracula in her bedroom, I was just like, oh, to be. Oh, to be. <laughs> Wish that there's was a, me. I don't know if you've you've gotten this for our, our ending segment, but there's a, a review on Letterboxd that says that Christopher Lee enters every scene in this movie with his dick first. It's true, like, he does. Yeah, he really does. He it's absolutely a, does. It's a fantastic energy he brings to the role. He is so good because he was so passionate about this character. Which is extremely funny. Because later on in life, he would get so sick of playing Dracula that he basically funded the entirety of the Wicker Man just to do anything but play Dracula. Yeah, it's very funny. (laughs) He (laughs) is clearly having fun here. Oh, yeah, for sure. Also, like, 
one thing that I thought was very funny was like the opening of this scene, like how normal Dracula is and how like well lit and nice his castle is. Yeah. He's he just he just comes in and he just t- he's like, "Hi, I'm Dracula." Nice to meet you. It's he's just like speaking like he doesn't really talk a lot for the rest of the movie, but that opening scene he just shows up and, you know, when you see Bela Lugosi in the Universal one, he's like, "Ah, hi, I'm Dracula." You know, he's very like mm-hmm. overdone and theatrical. And like right. I love Bela Lugosi, but he's like obviously evil from the get-go. But Christopher Lee just shows up and he's like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Dracula. (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful. It's just. (laughs) The thing I love about adaptations of Dracula in like general, maybe not so much about Bram Stoker's Dracula, but like they do have to kind of work around the fact that Dracula himself is really not in like present, quote unquote, on screen in Dracula much. Yeah, he's he's really not. He's a present. He's a a constant presence and a constant threat. But like, even like, especially in the book, it's like he's barely. He's like there for most of like the opening chapters, and then he's just like gone. And you only get like hints that he's around or that he's you know lurking, as it were. Yeah, and I think that that's another thing that this movie does really well, especially in contrast to the 1931 version, because. Mm-hmm. In the 1931 version, that version was based on a play. Right. It was a play that was on Broadway. So the script was adapted from that play. So as a consequence of that, most of the action does not happen on camera. Right. Um, it's if you like you I feel like a lot of the time people go into the 1931 version expecting it to be like more like this movie. Where it's like vampire bites and like fighting Dracula and all this stuff. But it's mostly just characters being like, last night a guy came in my bedroom and bit me. Yeah. <laughs> like they just talk about things after they happen. Yep. So I think that it's, you can kind of, if if you know that context, uh, you can definitely tell that a lot of this movie is just like Terrence Fisher and, and the screenwriters trying to like put as much of what happens on screen as possible. Yeah, for sure. Like, every time Dracula does some shit, it, you see it happen. Mm-hmm. You're there in the action. <laughs> yeah, you're, and especially that ending. Oh, God. I love that ending. I mean... Van Helsing parkour. Van Helsing parkour also, I mean, we do have to put it on the table, kind of homoerotic. Listen, these <laughs> movies... Every movie, every movie we watch, we watch on this fucking podcast always comes back to homoeroticism. Because horror is a genre for the gays. Next. You're right. You're right. Correct. Horror is a genre for gay people, sometimes by gay people. That's when it's at its best. It's true. Um, but you have no idea how homoerotic these movies are about to get. Peter Cushing does, is not in most of them. Mm-hmm. But he shows up in one of the later ones. And he just has, like, a picture of Dracula in his house. <laughs> Why is that, like, the biggest Basil and Radigan vibes? <laughs> I was gonna say, it's literally like that little <laughs> Kate Beaton comic. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Like, Van Helsing is just like, like, I think it's the satanic rites of Dracula. I get all of them kind of confused because they kind of bleed into one another. But I think it's the satanic rites of Dracula where incredible <laughs> movie title by the way oh my god the movie titles just get better and better um dracula has risen from the grave is another really good one 
Taste the Blood of Dracula. I love that one. It's kind of hard to top the Satanic Rites of Dracula, though. Dude, Satanic Rites of Dracula is great because Dracula is, like, sending a plague out into the world because he just wants to die and he wants to take the rest of the world down with him. So, 2020. Yeah, it's. I, I think we're <laughs> living in the Satanic Rites of Dracula currently. I'm here for it. Anyway, I think that's the one where Van Helsing has like a homoerotic nemesis portrait of Dracula just like in his house. So good. And he's like explaining to somebody like, oh, yeah, Dracula, he's this guy and he's a vampire. And then literally it's like the Radigan thing from Great Mouse Detective (laughs) where he like looks over and it's just Dracula. Just like a picture of Dracula in his house. My nemesis. I'm so, I'm so Taylor. I'm so glad you told me about this. It's so good. This the thing is like Peter Cushing is not in nearly enough of these movies. He is in the first two, one of which does not have Christopher Lee in them, and then the only other ones that he's in are Satanic Rites of Dracula, which is the final one, mm-hmm. and Dracula AD 1972, which is a movie about Dracula being awakened in 1972. So many missed opportunities with Chris, with not Chris really, with Peter Cushing and the Hammer Company. You cowards! You cowards! They were they were cowards. Cast that man as the Phantom of the Opera. God damn it! I want to go back in time and like bully uh, Anthony <laughs> Hines. I think was the guy. No, mm, I don't know. Oh, James Carreras. Like, That's the this. guy who was in charge of Hammer. I want to just like bully James Carreras into fucking casting Peter Cushing as the Phantom of the Opera. This is what we use time travel for. Yeah, period. And while I'm there, I'll also like bully him until he takes out that rape scene in one of the Frankenstein movies that Peter Cushing said made him like incredibly uncomfortable and he hated filming. Uh, That's that scene is just so sad to me not to get into the Hammer Frankensteins, but that scene is incredibly sad because Peter Cushing like just hated filming it and you can see it in his eyes. Oh, he's just doing it like he's just like oh, well I guess I have to do this it's like when you're watching Phantom of the Opera and you're watching Patrick Wilson trying very very carefully not to touch 16 year old Emmy Rosen that much oh my god <laughs> yes I forgot about how uncomfortable he is during every romantic scene in that movie also like if anyone who's making a movie wants to make like my this biopic that I have in mind listen psychological thriller about Patrick Wilson's time in the two, uh, the 2004 Phantom of the Opera movie where he slowly realized where he gets cast as like you know a star in a major movie musical and then slowly realizes that he's like being held captive in Lord Andy's fuck house <laughs> please we need to do, I think we need to do the Phantom of the Opera 04 on this podcast because I think that we can that technically counts as horror Oh, Taylor, are you going to make me watch that movie again? Yes, I am. Uh, I am going to make you watch it again. Just like I made you watch The Haunted Mansion, and I will make you watch The Haunted Mansion again. I mean... Forevers and evers. (laughs) We're losing the plot. We are losing the plot. Let's talk about Dracula some more. Okay, let me say something. I love how this movie looks. I love how colorful this movie is, and I know it's Technicolor, um, and that's why... It's not Technicolor, it's Eastman Color. It is Technicolor. It's in the it's in the credits. I thought it was East Eastman Color. Maybe I that's swear- like a subgenre of Technicolor. I swear to God, I saw Technicolor in the th- credits because I was hold remarking. on. I'm googling it now. I remarked upon it to myself. I was like, "Oh, Technicolor." And while you're doing that, I will say I love that. Like you will have like these 
kind of like objects in the background that are just like pops of color and it's really makes it really visually interesting to look at like i know in the study uh set there's like these green glass like vases or something and like they they have no bearing on the plot or like anything but i just thought they were like a nice little visual touch to kind of keep your eye entertained okay so yeah eastman color is a like a subgenre of technicolor so I was right. Not to interrupt you, but yes, it, we, well, we, okay, we were both right. Okay, fair enough. Also, Dracula's castle is serving major, like, beast's castle vibes with all, like, the demons everywhere. Again, so well lit, so clean. Yeah, just like a, it's, a, it's like, it's spooky and gothic, but also you can tell there's some upkeep in this place. <laughs> I, Who's Dracula's I, cleaning staff? Okay, I want to be part so of Dracula's Okay, so at the beginning of the movie, staff. he says, like, oh, my housekeeper is, like, off-duty right now or something. And I get that, like, the intent was probably that he was lying, but I choose to believe that he actually does have a housekeeper. <laughs> Who just is, like, a human, like, not hypnotized or anything, just, like, some guy or some lady who comes and gets paid and leaves. Like, I want a perspective flip. I just want Dracula from the perspective of Dracula's housekeeper. Please. Just, like, some... Like, that... It it reminds me, too, of, like, that one Tumblr post that's like, I wish I was one of Hannibal's regular patients. Yes! Like, that's what the vibe of that movie would be. Truly. It's just also, like, oh, that nice count fella pays me to clean his house. Nothing out of the ordinary going on here. Also, I wrote down, I was like, what does he fucking say to Jonathan that I was like, what the fuck is this? Oh, he says like, oh, I have business to attend to that's going to keep me away until sundown. And like, that's fine for one day. But every night? But like, every day are you going to tell him that? Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's suspicious, Drac. That, yeah, he's like, well... You know, I have business that I need to attend to. Uh, I get back directly at sundown every day. How long did he... Because he didn't know that Jonathan was a fucking vampire hunter. Yeah, no. Like, how long did he think he would have been able to keep that up? Again, that's like a sitcom plot. We are talking about Jonathan Hargrave here, whose vibe in most adaptations is like well-meaning himbo. Mm. So maybe Dracula just thought he could con him that long. I, you know what? I honestly choose to believe that if this was regular book Jonathan and not like Jonathan who already knows he's a vampire, that he probably would have just been like, huh, weird. Yeah, for, for real. Because that's how Jonathan reacts. That's true. That is kind of how it goes in the book. Because, like, that's how he reacts to Dracula not having a fucking reflection and, like, grabbing his mirror and throwing it out the window. I love that. He's just like, huh. <laughs> he's like, huh. Weird. That was weird. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let me tell you about this recipe that I got from a lady in town. God, he's so stupid. I love I him. I love his himbo ass. Jonathan, again, in this movie, slightly more competent. Also, for some reason, engaged to Lucy. Yeah, we don't know what's going on with that one. I do think it's funny that this movie is like, makes Lucy younger and Mina like a little older. Yeah, Mina's like a milf in this. I have a note that says yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> Which is funny because Hammer has this, like, reputation for having, like, kind of, like, young, busty playboy models in leading roles. And to be fair, that doesn't really happen until the 70s. Like, we we have a full-on MILF in this movie. We do. We have a MILF lead. Well, I guess Van Helsing is the main character of this movie, really, but... MILF representation. 
Mina is the protagonist in my heart. I mean, isn't that just how most adaptations of Dracula go? She's the one who gets to get plowed by Dracula, so I think she's the winner here. Yeah. She's the clear winner. Although, I mean, to be fair, Van Helsing also has probably gotten plowed by Dracula. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion, Taylor. Again, do I need to bring up the nemesis portrait? <laughs> no, because Taylor, let me tell you, that is going to be living in my head rent-free. Oh, I'm going to send you a picture of the nemesis portrait because it is funnier than you are even imagining. It looks like a Dr. Seuss illustration. (laughs) It's so very good. Oh, I can't wait. I'm thrilled. Like, it's like, okay, not to keep talking about this movie that is not the movie that we're talking about, but it is like clearly like Van Helsing drew it on a piece of notebook paper and put it in a frame. (laughs) Oh my God. Like, it is like... Like, pen on paper. This is better than I ever could have imagined. Thank you so much. It's. Did you look it up? I did not, but... Uh, I'm going to send it to you. After after we're done recording, I'll send it to you because it's, it's fucking hilarious. The image in my head is wonderful already, so... Just like the art style from How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the book, but it's just Christopher Lee Dracula. The costumes in this movie were popping. Oh, so good. Again, Hammer has a reputation for kind of like nightgowns ladies in nightgowns and mina's pink nightgown it was gorgeous i mean lucy's nightgown also very beautiful who am i if not a a diehard fan of a gothic heroine in a nightgown we get two of them in this movie we get two beautiful nightgowns it's wonderful very pretty nightgowns and also lucy's fucking nasty ass funeral shroud oh my god Okay, also... She's just walking around the graveyard in with her, like, pointy cone 50s boobs pointing out of them. Also, Van Helsing's, like, jewel-toned coats. Oh my god. Oh my god, I love his outfits. The fur the fur-trimmed coat, like, damn. He has He's style. serving. He's serving. His cane? Ugh. We love a man with a cane. I also love the, like, Greco-Roman kind of off-the-shoulder cape situation that dracula's bride has going on yes very good she literally looks like a statue of aphrodite she looks fucking phenomenal and i was very sad when she died she deserved to (laughs) honestly out of all the characters in that movie that woman is the epitome of that one twitter meme that's like she lived she served cunt and then she died truly because she did i mean she lived she pegged Dracula, she died. Let's do it. You know what? That's T. She did live, she did peg Dracula, and she did die. Good for her. O to B. <laughs> Once again, wish I was her. Oh my god. That's that's very funny. <laughs> it's also very true. And you know Dracula, it. you know, the idea of Dracula getting pegged is really funny to me. I mean, I know he does in Castlevania. I I need to watch Castlevania because I know he's a life guy in that show. <laughs> yeah. Dracula the wife guy. I love it when Dracula's like just like a dude. <laughs> yeah. Like I love guy. the Hotel Transylvania movies where he's just like a guy. He's just a guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no offense, but like not to sound like cinema sins, but why didn't Jonathan stake Dracula first? Kate's women. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Misogyny. <laughs> I can't even ironically say that about, like, any version of Jonathan Harker. I, I will say that at one point I did write fanfic about this movie. And I did kind of play up Jonathan as, like, kind of, like, lovable, <laughs> like, misogynist in comparison oh to, like, woman respecter 5000 Van Helsing. First that of was all, like Taylor. my That was, like, my characterization. 
First of all, Taylor, I want you to know, I know I say this like about pretty much everything you say to me, but that was in that moment, the least surprising thing you could ever say to me. What, that I wrote fanfic about the Hammer Dracula movies? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never published it anywhere, but like I was watching this movie again and I was like, damn, I might want to pick this up again. Do it. He just seems like the type, you know? Yeah. Whereas we all know Van Helsing, especially Peter Cushing Van Helsing, Woman Respector 5000. Oh, he's out here chugging his Respect Women juice. He, you know it. He respects women to an absurd degree. And he's valid for that. And he's valid, much like Peter Cushing in real life, respected women. And he's valid for that. Like, just like notoriously wonderful man, Peter Cushing. It's no wonder that Guillermo del Toro named his gothic heroine after him. Yes. Also an episode that's coming, by the way. You know it. You know it's coming. You know Crimson Peak is coming. That whole movie, too, Crimson Peak, is just like an extended homage to Hammer horror. And that's why modern audiences were too cowardly to accept it into their hearts. Period. Facts. Tea. No tea, no shade. (laughs) I'll stop talking. Would you believe this is like... I think the only other thing I've seen Peter Cushing in besides Star Wars. What? I think I think that I it could not be true. I could have possibly seen him in something else, but in memory, I think the only other thing I've seen him in is Star Wars. I can't think of anything that he'd been in that you might have seen. It's because I just So I think this 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 could very well be the only other thing you've seen him in. I just don't watch movies that were made before like 2004 (laughs) that's why this podcast exists exactly so that i can make i can sit you down clockwork orange style and like make you watch horror of dracula i mean that's what i'm doing to you with whatever modern movies i pick to show you it's what i did with you and insidious when i came to visit you that's true and insidious was very good and i liked a lot it helps that i get to see juicy pat on the screen again much like uh much like christopher lee any movie that does not have patrick wilson in it is automatically an inferior film period Christopher Lee is, like, tall as fuck. He's so tall. He makes the other characters around him look tiny. Which is good. By comparison. Which is, like, all things considering, probably the effect you want for Dracula. It's true. He's very tall. And, like, okay. So, like, I still have 1931 Dracula on the brain because I was thinking about, like, the differences between the two of them. But, like, Mm -hmm. Bela Lugosi was, like, a tall dude. But he's framed a lot in the 1931 Dracula. Like, he's, I think, and I don't know if this was on purpose, but he looks shorter than the other characters a lot of the time. I have to say, I was just very surprised when you told me that he's tall. he was tall. Yeah, he was, like, was six, he was 6'1". I honest to God thought you were about to, you were about to, like, tell me that he was a short king and I would have believed you. Like, tall guy. But, huh. Not as tall as Christopher Lee, but, like, tall guy. But, like, it, it's... For some reason, in the 1931 movie, if I remember correctly, he is frequently, like, either, like, on a, like, a step on the stairs shorter than another guy, or, like, I don't know if it was just to make the heroes look better by comparison, but, like, it really does him a disservice. Yeah, for sure. And Christopher Lee, they were just like, fuck it, make him look huge! He's tall! I mean, you, you can't make Christopher Lee look short. You can't. Him fucking big. Him big. 
Him tall. And him scary as fuck. He is scary as fuck in this movie. Especially in the ending. I know we touched on the ending a little bit with like parkour Van Helsing and all this other stuff. But like, mm-hmm. oh my good God. When he's like feral jumping around and like, oh my God. Like, I wouldn't want to get into a fight with Dracula. He's scary. He's scary. Oh God. Yeah, he's really freaky. And like, he's just big and Yeah. Big dude, scary dude, sharp teeth. Would not, would not, not. want to fight. Not what, not what you want to get close to, unless you're a very specific type of person. Unless you're me, and that's <laughs> for other reasons. <laughs> I was trying not to be specific. Not to fight him for other reasons. Speaking of the way that he looks, at the end of the movie, Dracula is defeated in this movie by like um. Sunlight. You know, classic vampire thing, which is not in Dracula the book at all. Yep. Uh, sunlight. Sunlight gets this bad boy down for the count. I mean, it is implied in Dracula that vampires are like nocturnal, but no, I don't think it's ever said that like the sunlight burns them. Yeah, I think they just say that it like makes them a little weaker mm-hmm. or something. Like they like I don't know. I think they I haven't read Dracula in a while, but I think they say that like they can't use their powers during the day or something. Well, in this movie, it fucking incinerates them. And it is so good. You literally see him crumble into dust before your very eyes. It's very good. I think it's very much implied that, like, when you stake or when you kill a vampire, they just, like, revert to however old they would have been, like, Dorian Gray style, because that's what happens to the the bride. And to Lucy. And to Lucy. Well, Lucy, with Lucy, it's not too, like, noticeable because she's... Yeah, she died, like, two days ago, but she does go to this, like, kind of, like, peaceful state. Yeah, I like the book. But yeah, the when the, the bride gets staked, she turns into an old woman. So you would imagine she was probably turned, like, a long time ago. ago. Dracula, on the other hand, so old that when he dies, he literally just becomes dust. Yep. And it's such a good effect. It's a very good effect. It aged, it actually aged, like, pretty well when his pant leg like rides up and you just see his ankle (laughs) like crumble scandalous or like his foot like deflate (laughs) in his shoe yep oh my god so good very good good. but a fun fact about that scene is that so basically what happened was that this was another scene that the censors had a big problem with oh again for obvious reasons yeah um it's it's gnarly (laughs) Yeah, it's graphic. You're watching a man crumble into dust before your very eyes. But there was an additional scene in which Dracula, like, raised his hand up to his face and, like, with his fingernails, like, scraped the top layer of skin off of his face. Oh, like Poltergeist style. Yes, exactly. And how this was accomplished was that they basically like painted Christopher Lee's face red and then like put wax over it. And so he just like reached up and scraped off the wax and it looked like he was scraping his skin off and it was gross. Uh, And the censors were like, no, absolutely fucking not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they cut it. And then, but, but for years, people swore that there, that the, the Japanese release of this movie had that shot in it, along huh. with the shot of Mina, <laughs> like, coming when Dracula kissed right. her. Like, like these scenes were, like, like, people who saw this movie in Japan in the 50s were like, no, like, I remember those two scenes. Huh. But for years, no one could find the Japanese print of this movie. So basically, it was just kind of assumed to be hearsay. 
Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of like <laughs> this is such like a me and you reference, but it was basically like a, like a, it was like a hatbox ghost situation. Oh my fucking god! Where like lots of people claimed that they saw this, but like there was no real evidence that it had ever existed. Taylor, I was just thinking of an apt comparison to make. I was gonna say like I was just gonna make a Berenstain Berenstain universe joke. Why did you have to say that one? Hatbox ghost. I mean, it is a very similar effect. Did they ever find it? So, yeah, in 2011, they found the Japanese cut, but it was, like, badly damaged. Ugh. And they had to, like, <laughs> like work fucking, like, so hard to, like, get it to a level that, like, looked remotely okay. No. And they, That's but they true. did cut those two shots back into the movie for the 2012 Blu-ray. Huh. And, man, oh, well, man, it does look real gross. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like, watching that clip, I can completely understand why the censors in the 50s were like, mm, maybe people aren't ready for this yet. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe cut that one. <laughs> um, But, yeah, and, like, when you're watching the the version that has those two shots, like, and there are a couple other bits that are cut back into the movie, like, just, like, kind of alternate takes that are a little more gorier or that show a little bit more of the effects and stuff like linger a little Mm -hmm. bit more on gore and stuff like that but yeah for a long time people were like this definitely doesn't exist (laughs) (laughs) like everyone's lying about this and then they found it (laughs) and it turned out that it did exist and that it was gross I think it's always good when they're able to sort of find stuff like that and restore it as best they can and preserve it but yeah, when you're watching the version with those two bits cut in, um, it, there is like a noticeable drop in quality. Yeah, it's definitely not the version I watched. <laughs> yeah, the version that I watched didn't have them either. I watched this on, um, well, I watched it quote unquote on YouTube. I rented it on YouTube and watched it. I watched this movie extremely legally. Very legally. Anyone who, no one can prove anything. <laughs> I'm also very, very cheap. Yeah, I like money. I like having money. Having money is always a good thing. You know who's got money? Who's got money, Taylor? Dracula. Damn, Rick. He, he sure does. How does he... Like, okay. I get that he <laughs> oh, wait, doesn't wait, wait, need wait, to wait, eat. Wait, 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 wait. Stop. Are we about to engage in a discussion about Dracula and capitalism? Yes. But, like, <laughs> I just want to know. I mean... How does he do anything? I mean, look. If you're a vampire... And you can just like hypnotize people. Like, I think that's what just. What if he like walk up to people on the street and be like, you will give me $500? Maybe. <laughs> that's what Maybe. I would do if I was a vampire. I'd walk up to Jeff Bezos and be like, now <laughs> redistribute <laughs> the wealth. <laughs> I love Dracula. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I love Dracula a lot. I love it. Like, uh, every version of Dracula I think is great. I think these are my favorites, the Hammer Draculas. Just because Christopher Lee, to me, is the Dracula that I picture when I read the book. I mean, I do not blame you. He's he just, like, Dracula. to me, so is good. Dracula. And I know he kind of came to hate this part because of how bad he was treated by the studio and how bad the movies got over time. But it's good to at least see him having fun in this one. Yeah, you know, this movie is great because he was not jaded at this point and he had not yet slipped into that like notorious like ah fine i'll fucking show up and do my thing and twirl my fucking cape around and get paid and leave wasn't there like a dracula movie where like he thought the dialogue was so fucking bad that he just didn't say anything the whole movie 
I forget which one it was, but I know that, it, yeah, that did happen. Chase was telling me about that. <laughs> yeah. He just didn't say any of the lines. There's, okay, I forget which one, again, because they all kind of blend together for me, except for the ones that are like, what if it was 1972? Those are great, but the one, the ones that take place in the Victorian era kind of all blend together for me. But I know that there is one where he basically, like, preys on this group of, like, hedonistic, like, three dudes who basically go out and are like, what if we did a Satanism and we did some, like, rape and murder? And Dracula, That's- like, comes to life and is like, hi, you resurrected me? Well, I'm gonna kill your daughters. <laughs> I'm gonna make your daughters my vampire brides. Get fucked. So basically, Dracula does say women's rights. Good for him. That's the, he, so. One thing that I think is interesting about this movie is how kind of conservative it is. Elaborate. Like I know we've been kind of joking around, but like this, and I feel the same way about the novel as much as I like it. Oh, it yeah. is very much about like. Oh yeah. Yep. Sex is like how dare women have sex or sexual feelings? Like, yeah, we're joking about how like. You know, um, the director told the actress who played Mina to act like she just had the best sex of her life. But within the context of the movie, she's being turned into a murderous vampire. Um, And so to connotate that with, like, a woman experiencing sexual pleasure for the first time. Again, how dare we show a woman having uh, any sexual freedom without her being punished for it. Yeah, and it's it, it is a very strange movie in that it seems to be about Dracula because the movie very much leans into Dracula as this kind of dark lover figure. Right. And in that way he's kind of a liberating force. And we talked a little bit about how Lucy is kind of I mean Lucy in the book is supposed to be 19, but like so is Mina. Mhm. And but Lucy is still kind of that like 19-20 year old. Like she's very young. She's she's pigtails. Right. Like, her whole vibe is very much, like, young, innocent maiden. And Mina is, like, a wife character. And both of these women are kind of forced into these societal roles in which their feelings and pleasure, both in terms of sex and in terms of just, like, enjoying life, don't really matter. Mm -hmm. Mina as a wife is, especially in this Victorian era and, and in the 50s, just expected to kind of be whatever her husband needs at the time right and her pleasure in life is not really taken into account uh and the same thing with lucy like she's a young girl who's about to get married and again much like mina kind of at the whim of the men in her life and dracula is like a liberating force his bride character is dressed in this like sexually revealing outfit whereas the other women are kind of buttoned up and when Dracula attacks these women, it is connotated with an increase in their sexuality. Right. And that's bad in the context of the movie. Yeah. This is, is bad. Very... This is a bad thing. The fact that these women are behaving sexually or experiencing sexual pleasure is a sign that something is wrong. Not just bad, but scary. Yeah. And like, again, it's interesting that the censors had such a problem with Mina experiencing pleasure when Dracula comes and bites her. And I, I, I think it's partially, you know, prudery, but also partially because it's like this idea of like women having this agency. Right. We can't let the women in the audience 
think that they could be able to do that. Yeah, if, you know, if, if if Mina looks like she's having a good time when Dracula breaks into her room and bites her, like, that's... And, like, women in the 1930s, I know for a fact, <laughs> were super into Bela Lugosi as Dracula. Horny for him. And the same thing them. happened with this movie. Like, women loved Christopher Lee as Dracula. And in the sequels, they kind of play into it even more. Dracula in every sequel has basically like a like a scene where he breaks into a woman's bedroom and you know kisses her and she looks all scaroused and then he bites her and it's like every movie has that scene it's because women saw christopher women in the 1950s uh saw christopher lee being <laughs> six foot tall and very handsome and yes uh, you know, they were like, oh, like, you know, this this kind of dark seducer figure is uh, is a liberating force in the in mm-hmm. the context of the movie, but also for the women watching the movie. I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. And as much as I love this movie, it is very conservative in what it says about women having agency. It's it's a scary thing. Very in line with the book in that regard. The as book much as- is all, the, but the thing about this movie too is that the book is also very xenophobic in that it is very much about like yep. scary, scary foreigners coming to yep. corrupt our beautiful English women. Uh, and this movie uh, takes place completely in Eastern Europe, so that angle is completely cut. Oh, <laughs> there is none of that in this movie. Well, that's some improvement at least. <laughs> yeah, at least it's not xenophobic. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's my little rant about um, <laughs> this movie's weird kind of politics around female pleasure and that kind of thing because it's something that i'm interested in in terms of especially horror movies they always have kind of some especially horror movies with women in them always have something interesting to say about those women and what they want and whether what they want is good or bad and you know etc etc yeah i think that the vampire movie too is a very interesting vehicle with which to explore those concepts because the vampire is kind of always in film been a very sexual creature and very representative of uh, society's fears regarding sexuality. I love vampires. Vampires are great, man. You know who else loves vampires? Who else loves vampires, Taylor? People on Letterboxd. Yay! (laughs) What a segue. Yay! I'm good at those. This is a segment that I like to call Live Laugh Letterboxd, in which I read funny Letterboxd reviews uh that i find on the app which is very it's one of my favorite apps i love it i love reading people's funny jokes let's take a look go for it so cormac says honestly more cute than it is scary if this movie had a face i would pinch its cheeks three stars yeah i would pinch the cheeks of that one scene with peter cushing and tanya (laughs) i also would again very sweet nicholson says i'd simply ask dracula to stop biting people no stars, but uh, a heart. I, I, I think I don't. I think he would listen. Yeah, I think if you just ask really nicely, say please. You know, just say please. You know, Christopher Lee was like notoriously again very nice dude. I believe that he would. Yeah, just like hey, please stop biting people. Please. Maybe not like that. Please, Mister Dwakuna, stop pushing biting it. people. <laughs> and then he would say, "Then perish." Exactly. <laughs> Dia says, Drac isn't even a supernatural being in this. He's just tall. It's true. I mean, he could be supernaturally tall, though. Do you think being a vampire makes you, like, tall? 
Do you get taller when you become a vampire? I have a very special four-star review to read out loud. Please. From a strange letterboxed user named Jemmy. Oh. Lucy taking off her crucifix and throwing open her floor-to-ceiling window is exactly the way I want to go to sleep every night. That person sounds really smart and cool and funny. That person sounds like she knows what she's talking about. I think she does. <laughs> Emmy Lou just says, happy goth day. <laughs> happy goth day. If, you know what? This is a good movie to watch on, on goth day. When was goth day? Did I watch this movie on goth day and I didn't realize it? You might have. What's goth day? I watched it on May 19th. I don't remember. You may have watched this on goth day. How do you feel about Hang that? Hang on, listeners. We're doing some research. <laughs> oh, no. It's the 22nd. Damn. You were so close, too. I was so close. Nikki says, tell me why the scene of Van Helsing and that kid made me tear up. It's so cute. That's why. It's adorable. I'm not <laughs> even a big kid person. No, he's just very sweet. Count Dracula be like, being toxic in my little outfit. That's just every interpretation of Dracula. Five stars. <laughs> every single Dracula. That's from Evita. Every single Dracula yeah. is like that. Autier Theory, this is the person's uh, username, says, Instead of Count Dracula, the first person Jonathan Harker meets is a buxom woman, thus marks the new Hammer style of classic horror. <laughs> Note, where did Harker get those stakes? Dracula just has them lying around? You know, and I didn't notice that at first, but like, <laughs> it's kind of true. Wait. Why does he just have those? Huh. Wait. Did we see him, like, pick it up? Did he just, or did he, like, bring them? No! I, I, I think he, like, he just, like, has a stake. I guess maybe he I was gonna them. say, if I'm going to kill a vampire, I'm definitely gonna put a stake or two in my suitcase. So. I, I prefer the idea that Dracula <laughs> just, just has those. stakes in his house. Maybe Jonathan, like, broke a chair and made them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ending of Freaky. Oh, one thing that I did want to mention before I went on was that like, Christopher Lee at the end, not Christopher Lee, uh, Peter Cushing does the thing at the end where he just picks up two pieces of yes! wood and just crosses them over each other. And all I could think of was the Eddie Izzard bit where she's like, oh, like, I, I, I got my fingers. <laughs> yeah, like, can you just make a cross out of every anything? Like, what what's the logic there, Hammer? Yeah, that's that's the essence of the of the of the Eddie Izzard bit about Dracula, where she's just like, "Can you just do it with anything? Like, if you just hold your two fingers up one over the other, like, is Dracula gonna be like, oh shit? <laughs> I love the idea that you could just pick up two <laughs> pieces of anything that are like straight and be like, ah, I have a cross now. <laughs> this is a negative review, but I found it very funny. Caleb says people used to freak out at the weakest shit. I swear <laughs> to God, two stars. Yeah. Caleb, I I don't agree with your assessment of this movie's quality, but I will say I agree. This like people used to be scared of nothing. Truly. <laughs> Sylvia says, "Hit that like button if you think that Peter Cushing as Van Helsing is kind of hot." Did you hit that like button, Taylor? I did. Of course I hit that <laughs> like button, Jenny. God. Nikki says, "Peter Cushing literally was like, "Hey, do you guys want to watch me launch myself off a table?" and didn't even wait for a response. <laughs> And somehow they ca caught it on camera. Good for them. I like to think that he just did that. <laughs> just yeeted himself off a table. Hesse says, the film that dares to ask the question, what if Dracula was a sexual type guy? Well, what if? I mean, the film does answer this question. This, yeah. And you know what would happen if Dracula was a sexual type guy? The BBFC would get really angry. <laughs> Very true. The BBFC wouldn't they like would it at all. would not be happy. Uh, yeah, a lot of reviews being like, I just wish Christopher Lee was in this more. Don't we all? 
And the problem with that is that the sequel does give us more Christopher Lee, but like the trade-off in quality is immense. I think Are they fun? Yes. But I think any movie at all could just be exponentially improved by the presence of Christopher Lee. I love that statement. Oh, friend of the pod, Rhea. Ah, yes. Says, a lot of things suck about this timeline, but the fact that we got Christopher Lee's Dracula movies in this one is pretty choice. And she's right. Three and a half stars. I will say, Rhea on Twitter, and for those of you who don't follow the Twitter account at FGFpod, I did retweet this with a reaction image that said, co-signed, because that was some real shit you just said. Because it was. She was like, because we mentioned that we were doing this movie, and she was like, oh, like... The fact that um, Stephen Moffat said that he like needed to make Van Helsing a woman in his version of Dracula to have Dracula and Van Helsing have sexual tension, like, like clearly he never watched the Hammer movies. I can't believe that this man makes me hate the concept of a female Van Helsing because, like, on its own in a vacuum, a female Van Helsing is incredibly sexy. But like, can I say something? Of course. This is how to fix it. Female Dracula also. Exactly. But that is how to do that's it. That's how to do it, Steven. What if Dracula and Van Helsing were lesbians? Elaborate on that. No. 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 It needs no elaboration. No elaboration needed. All you need is the concept. Incredibly sexy, in theory. But you know what? I also do love two old men <laughs> who just have homoerotic, like, hate like nemesis tension. I mean, you could have just left it at old men, Taylor. I I love old men. <laughs> there you go. Old men, man. <laughs> old dead horror actors. Old alive horror actors. I support you on this. I may not understand, but I support you. What was the thing that you tagged me on? <laughs> <about? laughs> Wait. May I, I read like... this out loud on the podcast, Taylor? <laughs> yes, you can, because it made me fucking die laughing. Right, hang on. I gotta find it. <laughs> We're professionals here. <laughs> Goddamn tweet sent me. It was so funny. No, where is it? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it is a Twitter account from... Uh, sorry, Twitter account. Twitter post, Twitter tweet, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Twitter tweet, Twitter account. <laughs> Something I'm too old for this. Uh, at Evil Rats says, I love people who sexualize ugly old men. I will never understand you, but I love you. Wa- I love watching you bend those ancient bones into something beautiful. And that's how I feel about Taylor. <laughs> that's this podcast in a nutshell. Is just me being like, goddamn, Peter Cushing could get it. And Jemmy just like, I love you so much. <laughs> yeah. I-, I love watching you twist those old bones into something beautiful. <laughs> now that's co-signed because that's some real shit you just Truly. said. And with that, my friends... If you don't have any final thoughts. Uh, nope, I think that's about it. So next week, uh, listeners, we have a bit of a, da- a Hammer double feature for you. Because we have Taylor's Hammer that we watched this week. Next week, we're watching one of my favorite movies. And a movie that holds a very special place in my heart. We are watching 2012's The Woman in Black with uh, good old Dan Rad. Good old D-Rad, man. <sighs> our, you know, our short king for the ages. Truly. Follow our Twitter account. Leave us those five stars on iTunes. It really, really helps us. Uh, give us a, a follow on Spotify and anywhere else you want to follow your, you want to listen to your podcasts. Also, like, interact with us on Twitter. We like talking to people. Yes, please. Like, reply to our tweets. Like, 
give us the tea. I would like to say that we're not as unhinged as we seem, but like we are, but it's in a charming way. So Yeah, I would I I would love to tell you that I'm like approachable and cool. But mostly if you like talk to me on Twitter, I'll mostly just like scream at you. That's very encouraging, Taylor. I'm you know, I'm so normal. <laughs> I spend my time on Twitter bending those old bones into something beautiful. I know there are other people out there who do that, so please connect with Taylor. <laughs> If you also spend your time on Twitter bending those old bones into something beautiful, hit me up, man. If you like lesbian werewolves, well. (laughs) Do I have the Twitter for you? (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.